This is the More Than Fitness Podcast with Matt McLeod. We are recording. Everything is uh, good to go. We are live, and uh, yeah. So I just wanted to say thanks for thanks for doing this. And I'm, you know, uh, first off, a fan. I've been a, I've been a fan of of your stuff for a long time, and you are the uh, you're you're the go to guy that that I look for whenever either there's there's something new in the research or there's you know some type of. Uh, 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 question that I have whenever it comes to training and nutrition, I'm like, hey, I'm having this tr- this trouble with this client. Let me see if Steve has any has any answers for me or has talked to anybody who who may have some answers. So first, I just wanted to say thank you as a fan for all all that you've you've done, and and second, as a as a you know as an internet friend and as a uh, internet mentor, I guess we've 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 connected a little bit uh, um, through Instagram and and other platforms and stuff. So. Uh, yeah, thank you, Steve Hall, for for coming on my show. No, thank you. It's incredibly humbling to hear those comments come from someone who I I look at your stuff and I'm like, like yeah, it's like thumbs up. This is all looking like the right legit stuff. So um, thank you to hear those words. And whenever people say those sort of things, I never quite feel. You always feel a little bit like an imposter. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's amazing. I'm so honored to be able to speak to the people I'm able to speak to and share that knowledge, and then. Uh, I seem to have some form of, or form of a skill of dispensing that in a way that people can digest easily. Yeah, you you definitely do. And um, anybody who who's not familiar with with some of Steve's Steve's work, and some of you may know him better as Revive Stronger, because you know what's funny is like whenever I mention people's names, like Adam Ali is a good example. Right. I'll say Adam Ali, and then I'll say, oh no, it's it's Physiconomics. Have you ever heard of that? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or Ryan Doris, I just had him on the show too, and and I was talking to my girlfriend about having him on. She was like, "Oh, oh, that's cool," and I was like, "Yeah, this is the the Natty Pro." She was like, "Oh, the Natty Pro," and I was like, "Yes, Instagram yes, yes. names." <laughs> yeah, I know it's weird, right? Um, but that's but, uh, good. I hope, and I wanted um, Revive Stronger to be bigger than me. Yeah, initially, it was me, and I think it's becoming bigger than just me, which is exactly where I want it to go. So I'm I'm happy. Yeah, about that. let's let's take let's. Well, this is a good segue. Let's go ahead and take it take it kind of back. Uh, you know, to, to the to the beginning of things, and I just we'll we'll just start like where. So obviously, as you guys can tell, Steve's got a little bit of different accent than I do. <laughs> um, so so where are you where are you from originally? So yeah, I've always grown up. Uh, I was I am like a hundred percent British. It's so boring. Like, <laughs> all of my my parents are British. All of their parents are British. So I've I've got literally no other blood within me. So I'm, yeah, I live in London and have done for the last four years or so. And I've only ever lived like at, just outside of London with my parents. So yeah, British. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's 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 good. So did you um when did you when did you first start getting into uh, all the all the lifting and stuff like that? Did you get into? Were you in? Uh, and I don't even know how. I think it's still like high school and middle school and stuff over there, right? Um, yeah, close enough. So when did you get started on all, all this kind of stuff? When did that first initial spark come? So it's really funny. The way I got into it, oh, it's not really funny. It's probably how a lot of people get into it. I just <laughs> saw some of my friends going to the gym and I was just like, why am I not going? I want to be going to the, like, what, like I felt like I was missing out or something like that. Uh, so that's when I first started going was like, about 16 years old which is, i think is like the youngest you're allowed to be in the weights room and doing <laughs> right. everything there so i actually started when i was 16 so a fit like in terms of 
years now. I'm 28, so that's 12 years. Uh, but so many, as you know, my journey has been like up and down. So I wouldn't say that's 12 years of continuous smart training. That's sure. not, maybe half that. So that's how I first got into it. And I ended up kind of, yeah, you get those newbie gains. I was kind of doing a, my split was cables and then free weights. <laughs> that was literally my split, uh, which, yeah, I mean, you just go in, you take everything to failure. You try hitting PRs every single session. And most of the time it works. Um, but I do know when I went to university from, I know this is like 17 years old, everything stalled. I wasn't making progress for ages at this point. So at the same time, I was into all different sports. So I was really into my football um, mm. or uh, soccer, as you guys. I was, was going to say, is it soccer or is it football? No, I'm kidding. So, yeah, we, we, <laughs> we have rugby and football. We don't even have this. Uh, well, we, uh, I suppose they're doing American football in some places now. It's all good. It's football. all good. I understand. <laughs> I understand. I understand. So um, I was into all of that and uh, also like running. And I tried rowing club at school, at university rather. So I was doing all of these things. So no wonder I wasn't really seeing the results in the gym because, I mean, I wasn't really having the recoverability for it, but I didn't know any of that. I was also doing like sprints all the time. I didn't have the best relationship with like food and nutritional knowledge was very sparse. It would basically be eat high protein, don't eat much else, and yeah. hopefully I can grow muscle and like be shredded. Yeah. It just doesn't really work out. So it was during my time at university when basically everything changed and this is what spawned Revive Stronger in that. I was on one of my usual like 10 kilometer runs. I can remember the run and I'd have my Garmin watch on and kind of my Garmin heart rate monitor and it would have like a shadow on my watch, like where my previous personal best was. Like I was full on into this run. That's awesome. So the non-awesome thing that happened was I came to some traffic lights and they were flashing amber and I just decided, right, I'm on time for a personal best. I just went for it, looked right, and there was a van and unfortunately got hit by this van and that led to short-term, I've got some scarring. Well, actually, I guess that's long-term, but I had some scarring, some stitching done. I fractured my skull, but I had some long-term consequences for hormone production and just ill effects from the ability to control electrolytes and testosterone later was found out because of this head injury. And like, whenever I see people now, it's like cycling along the road without helmets or <laughs> anything like that. I'm just like, how can they do this to themselves? Yeah. It's so risky if you knock I, your head. It's, it's crazy. It is. It is a hundred percent. It's funny. Uh, yeah. So that 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 was uh that was that was a nice little intro there. And not to to interject into your story, but were you saying that about the bikes? Whenever me and uh, I don't even know if I've I've told this story so many times. I don't know if I've told it on the podcast yet or not. Um, but me and my friends, uh, two uh, two years ago, we went to uh, Amsterdam in Germany. And we went over to Amsterdam and the big thing in Amsterdam is to ride those city bikes around everywhere. And your boy here hasn't been on a bike on a regular like American bike in years. And so we go over there to Amsterdam and they have these little city bikes that have never ridden before. The handles are straight like towards you. Um, and it's, it's very different to steer than a normal, uh, traditional bike that I'm even used to in the first place. Plus you add on a city that I have no idea where I'm at. You have people who don't speak the same language as me. You have cars, you have other bikes, you have bike lanes, traffic rules that I don't understand. And we may or may not have been intoxicated in some type of way. And it's just, you add all those things together but that was the most 
alive I've ever felt because I was <laughs> so aware of everything going on around me. And luckily, uh, nothing, nothing yeah, like that, ha- <laughs> nothing like that happened. But, uh, yeah, no, I understand that being on those bikes and stuff, they can be, uh, it can be quite, quite a thrill, but yeah, obviously there can this be is some, the, the handlebars where they're like underneath. Not yeah. Yeah. It's just side. like, it's just, yeah, it's just, I hate yeah. those like road bikes. Oh, it, it's difficult. It's difficult. And then we went to, so we spent five days, five days in Amsterdam. And then we spent five days in Germany. And whenever we went over to Germany, they had like the legit like mountain bikes with yeah, the yeah. big tires and then the straight um, across handlebars. And I was like, okay, this is a little bit better. But then I had just gotten used to the city bikes and, you know, so I, needless to say, I haven't been on a bike too often. Since <laughs> uh, <laughs> like me and running. So, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. The same thing happened with running. I have a buddy who's who's a big runner, and every time I go back home, that's where he is. And he's like, "Dude, let's go for a run." It's like every time I run, it's just with him, and I feel terrible for the next like two or three <laughs> days. My like, I just can't move. Yeah, I'm um, surprised. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, so that that makes a lot of that's cool. That's that's cool that your brand actually, uh, you know, the the meaning behind it and stuff. Because I feel like whenever people first hear Revive Stronger, it can kind of pique their interest a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So that 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 story's um. Uh, that that's really cool. I want to, so you, you played some sports, uh, in high school and did you say you did play in university some too or no? Yeah. I, um, I tried playing football there. I tried doing rowing club. Um, yeah. And that's all I tried. I tried running club as well. So I did, I've always been well into my sports and not really knowing my nutrition, but always on the side of like trying to be a a skinny kid more than anything. I I didn't want to gain any fat. Got it. Got it. And then, so when did this, when did the transition go more towards, okay, I'm going to get really serious about just this lifting stuff and then get really into the science and bodybuilding and where, where was that transition at? So this was pretty much after my accident. It was horrible because it was really isolating. Um, I was in hospital for like a month recovering after it. Any of the muscle I gained, I think I went in like hundred and 70 pounds and i came out which isn't even big now like i thought i was sure. like i thought i was in pretty good shape at the time and sure. i lost like 30 pounds in that time in hospital obviously lots of water weight and things like this but i was barely eating i wasn't moving so i lost any muscle that i had at that period of time i also lost just physically i was very underconfident but psychologically really underconfident i was never a confident person anyway i'm still not the most confident of people so it really put myself into a shell and I didn't want to do running. I didn't want to do these other clubs with other people, but I did want to build my confidence back up. And this is where I found the gym um, and I found kind of solitude within tra- training and building myself back up. And it was something I could control. Um, a lot of bodybuilders love the aspect of control. Like they can control their training, control the nutrition, and they can see great things happen with their physique. And this, I never wanted this more in my life because I had so little control after mm. the accident. And I was on fluid restrictions and I was on diuretics and to try and get my sodium balance under control because if I I was at a risk of seizuring because I had such low sodium levels, all of these things happened. So I was recovering with all of these whilst getting more and more into the gym because it was a place of I could be isolated, I could be on my own, put in time and work. So I started kind of researching and as you do, you find the wrong things I kind of did I guess I classify it as a dirty bulk now, but at the time sure. I classified it as a clean bulk because yeah. I was only eating like what you'd consider clean foods, but I was eating tons and I'd be disappointed if I didn't gain 
kind of half a stone seven pounds in a week if i didn't get yeah. that i'd be like I'm, i need to increase my calories <laughs> so i gained up to 190 pounds in a very short period of time so mm -hmm. i gained like 60 pounds within less than two years that berto nunez diet yeah I just ate, <laughs> I just, it wasn't even fun like i was legit kind of uh, orthorexic in that way i mm kind of wouldn't have processed foods and things like this so it was not like I even enjoyed that experience so my initial experience of bodybuilding wasn't a very fun one and I think a lot of people can resonate with that where they think they have to eat a certain way they have to eat certain foods they haven't been exposed to flexible dieting or if it fits your macros they don't have that understanding um, and so they almost the gym the nutrition is something that uh, controls them and they don't control those so it took me a while to get to that point and this is when I started finding people like uh, Alan Aragon. I found him across. Eventually, mm -hmm. when you do enough research, you'll come yeah. across Alan Aragon. You'll come across yeah. Lar McDonald. Sure. And this is when I really started. Like, I found body recomposition. And my mind was just like blowing every yeah. second. Yeah. So totally. I've been reading his articles day in, day out. Um, and this was kind of as I was getting more educated, results would start flying in better. And so after the accident, I still continued with university. I decided I didn't want to take a gap year because it's just not something I would yeah. do. Uh, it's not yeah. the person I am to take a gap year, even though I probably should have to get better grades. But I still graduated with a 2-1, so I was still like, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I wanted a first as everyone always would. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. Explain that. So you said a first. Wait, so what's the... So it's a 2-1... Out of a 4.0? Is that what you're saying? No, it's like uh, we have like a first degree, a 2-1, and then like oh, okay. a fail or something. I don't Got it. Got it. it. So it's it's kind of the reverse there. That's why you said that. And I feel like, yeah, it silly Americans, you know, That's we're right. not, not going to understand exactly. But yeah, okay, good. Yeah, could, the second best. <laughs> yeah, got it. And what you, what you, you, st you didn't study like exercise science or nutrition, did you? So, yeah, I mean, it, it stems from... The fact that at school I was never, again, the most confident and I was bullied at school because I, I think it was a sense of, I was always like pretty good at sports. I was never bad, but I was never like one of the cool kids. I was never the confident person. So I was someone to see as a target, I guess, in a way, because of the fact I was kind of good, but I had no kind of confidence or like I wasn't in with the crowd. So I didn't want to take PE at like A level or GCSE. Um, so I didn't ever push and go down that route because of the, the bullying. And I mean, I guess you guys call them jocks, but oftentimes <laughs> yeah. these, these are the kids that are a bit mean for just no reason. So mm. I didn't go down that route. I did geography with business uh, at university. I kind of wanted to do economics, but I didn't do maths. And so you get kind of held back, sure. um, which is frustrating. But I was good at geography with business. And so I got the 2-1 there. But it was really once I had the accident, I started learning, controlling my body, seeing the results I could get where I was just like, wow, this is something that I just have to do because I want to help other people do this. Mm -hmm. Because if I've been able to come from such a poor place of health and get to the best shape of my life, yeah. I can only imagine what other people could eventually do. And I just mm -hmm. became obsessed at this point. So yeah, I graduated and then I went into like office work, uh, which wasn't the most fun at the same time, I was still obsessing about my tr nutrition training. I know if like my podcast or like your podcast existed at the time, I'd be listening to like, every episode whilst <laughs> right. I was working, have my headphones in. Right. Um, and eventually an opportunity sprung up where I could become, well, I, I say eventually an opportunity sprung up. Basically what happened is I was doing personal training on the weekends as like learning how to become a personal trainer, doing courses part-time. 
uh, and I qualified and then an opportunity sprung up. Actually, one of my, I guess, acquaintances, um, he was going on holiday and he had a lot of PT clients and said, like, I need someone to take over for me at this period of time. I want to get you in the industry anyway. I think you're great and you're really knowledgeable. You can take them over. And at this period of time, my kind of socials was growing somewhat. I had, I think, one online client who like who had found me and I was just like helping him for very little. And so I was, he kind of wanted me to come in, but he would take over all of that. And he'd take over if I wanted to do like any coaching online or anything like that. He was like, that will be part of what we're doing together. And so I wasn't cool with that. He then withdrew that. And mm. fortunately, and this is a bit of a long-winded story. I don't normally go into this much detail. You're good. I like it. Fortunately, the um, my uh, home gym had an opening for me. And they knew me because I trained there like all the time. So I was pretty much guaranteed a job there because they kind of knew who I was and that I knew things. So I ended up working as a one-on-one PT. Um, and at this time, I also started my, 2000, this is 2014, my contest prep um, for shows. So kind of that was probably a bad time to do a new job, especially such a physically active one in terms of like, sure. I just didn't enjoy it that much. And yeah. I kind of hoped clients wouldn't turn up. It definitely mm-hmm. wasn't the way to set myself up. But in a weird way, it kind of forced me to the online side more because I could sit on a desk and program and stuff like this. Yeah. So this is where the online business started to become something that was actually something I could do because there were kind of kids from the local schools who were a couple of years younger than me, a couple of years underdeveloped from me and didn't know what I knew and they wanted it, but they didn't want the kind of one-on-one PT. So I started taking them, taking them online and coaching them and getting results. And then they just referred to their friends, referred to local people around the area. So a lot of my early clients were kind of um, all referrals and people I knew or had interacted with before. And then that's just where I had enough clients at one point where I was like, right, the girl, my girlfriend, um, Mm -hmm. Charlotte, who I met at work, um, she was kind of moving out or moving into a new location in London. And I was like, I'm still living at home. I want to move out. So I kind of took a plunge where I didn't have that much income at the time. And I just like went all in. Um, And so at this time, I just started investing into like blog writing, doing as much content creation as I could. And everything just since then has really just kept growing, kept ticking over. And I think I was fortunate in the fact that at that time, I wasn't aware of many online coaches or many online businesses, really only like 3D muscle journey. Apart from them, I, there yeah. really wasn't that many. Whereas now, like there's thousands, like I feel like you could go on oh, yeah. anyone's Instagram account and find someone. So I think <laughs> yeah. I was lucky in that regard in that I was one of the newest or one of the, the founding mm-hmm. people that were doing that kind of online coaching side. So yeah, since 2014, kind of just been growing ever since then and so that's kind of a bit of the background and then obviously you know um had opportunities with mike israel brought him over in i think 2016 he's been over three he's going to come over four times this year again that kind of relationship has been super positive for the brand and for both me and mike he's definitely helped us grow massively and i think we helped get his voice out there yeah i'm super happy about because he is like i don't know he's just got a great voice and more people need he's to hear amazing him. he's amazing yeah so yeah everything just kept spiraling from there and i just found that i could jump into podcasting and again not many people were doing it as many people were doing it back then so we kind yeah. of found a little bit of a niche and so yeah. um sky's the limit yeah, just invested more time into that and then into the the kind of conferences and the seminars and it's just been growing ever since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're um, 
if you guys can't tell, Steve is obviously a very humble guy. And um, I, I've i been lucky enough to have been following you kind of, I mean, for, for, for quite some time now. And I've been able to see that this guy has been one of the most consistent motherfuckers I have ever met in my life. I just, I, whenever, whenever I feel, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to post today. I'll open my Instagram and there's, there's Steve making a post <laughs> like every, like, it, and it's the same. And, and it's really cool because I'll watch your, your, your stories and things too. I, I know you at least used to do this, how you did Steve on the common, you would do the walks every single morning and he so he he would take this walk every morning and he would answer questions that that people would give him and um he's just he's very consistent i feel like you thrive in that routine and it makes sense with the bodybuilding stuff it just all of this works so perfectly with your goals in life right no 100 percent. the the structure the consistency it's things like absolutely crave and Mm -hmm. fortunately for bodybuilding and for business they're just things that perfect are needed yeah 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 no you can you can definitely thrive in that type of stuff and whenever he's he's talking about these these conferences and things he's talking about conferences that like he's putting on like he he it's 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 your all stuff and then you're acquainted with um you know some of the best people in the nutrition industry some of the smartest uh phds and scientists and uh, just really intelligent minds in the industry. And so that's why, uh, like I said earlier, you're my go-to guy as far as learning about new things or hearing interviews with, with Mike. So Mike Isertel is, has been one of my, and I think it is from your stuff. You made me more aware of his stuff um, because I think he had some stuff with RP strength and things like that. But as far as him coming on the scene and, and, and consistently listening to him, it was whenever he started coming on your podcast and doing a lot more stuff with you. So what has that relationship mentorship been like? Has it, I mean, is, is he just a, a great dude and just a really smart guy? Do you guys talk shop a lot about these types of things? So yeah, Mike is, it, it's crazy really, because the initial um, kind of, I found out about him. I didn't really know much about him. He'd done some articles on like Juggernaut and things. I think he'd done some videos with them, but I hadn't even really seen these. Mm-hmm. So it was Mike Samuels, who I don't know if you know Mike oh, Samuels. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The copywriter. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I follow his stuff pretty closely actually. So he used to be what we do. Um, he used yes. to do like online uh, personal training and he was someone who I would be looking up to, to be mm-hmm. like, oh, what should I do? Like, oh, like Mike's doing this, whatever it might be. And uh, we formed a relationship and he asked if I wanted to go in and bring Mike and James Hoffman over um, from RP. And I wasn't really sure who they were, but Mike was Mike Samuels was suggesting it. And I was like, right, yeah, let, let's do it. And it was quite a big risk for us both because we'd never run a seminar before. We didn't know what was what. We didn't know what the expenses and things would be. So we just went went in on it and it couldn't have really been better. We didn't have that many people that came to the seminar at first yeah. uh, for that first one, but it was the knowledge that Mike had there. Um, along with James as well and the way they presented it it was new stuff that I literally like it's very rare for me to ever hear anything new and I've like that's why I'm getting into like I guess sleep and things like this because it's Mm -hmm. exciting new you haven't really researched it but with training nutrition there's a lot I get people have been in the field for a long time there's nothing new really anymore like there's nothing that exciting so when Mike was kind of talking about some of these concepts and the way he presented it, because they're both lecturers or they were, so they present really, really well. Yeah. It was like new stuff. I, I had pages and pages of notes and I was like, I'm, I've just brought these guys over for a seminar and they're unreal. Like I, was yeah. just, I just need to get better acquainted with these people and kind of share their stuff. And it actually happened that we did a live Q&A with Mike and James for like 
just some publicity for the for the seminar and I decided I'm going to put that onto my podcast which I'd kind of just started as a way to get my voice out there heard more so people knew kind of that I had an understanding of what I was talking about and so I decided after Mike and James had gone back um, I asked Mike if he'd come on for a Q&A because we had some leftover questions from the seminar would he be willing to do it and then that's literally where the asking Mike kind of Dr. Mike the questions came in um, because I asked him that first time he did it it was amazing and I was just like I want to keep doing this and I asked if he'd be a regular uh, and do this kind of like every other week or something and he was game Um, yeah so ever since then being able to talk to him for that hour like intermittently now is is amazing because he doesn't even do consultations he doesn't you can't pay him He, he he doesn't have the time to do that sort of thing so um, to be able to do that and be able to just message him on the fly and be like, I don't know, if I want to ask a question, but you have to kind of be considerate of people's time and stuff, I wouldn't just send him any old questions. But um, we, I, he's definitely a friend now, and that's definitely developed over years. And um, he would be a mentor for me because of the, the just the way he is. He acts as a person. I've learned a lot of kind of the way I write, the way I speak, the way I think about things in like a principled way mm-hmm. and being very considerate and mo- open-minded has been from him. Um, and I don't think everyone will get that from people, but you'll probably find Ooh. someone. This is good. This is good. I like this. I like, sorry to cut you off, but that makes me excited because I feel like I have been <clears throat> the same way by some of the people that I follow. So when, I, so I'm from Kentucky and whenever people, I, I still have my, my Southern twang and in certain things that I say, but my Kentucky accent, like, so my dad owns an auto body shop and um, it's just, he didn't go to college. He just, the guys there, they know how to work on cars and that's it, <laughs> you know? So they're, the, but if you go there and listen to to them talk, because I would go and work there over the summer, I would just like sweep up and cl- clean the whole body shop because it's always filthy, obviously. Yeah. Um, but those guys, their accents are just, uh, it's just, it's so heavy and twang and just so country. And I noticed whenever I would go, and work for him, I, my voice, I would start to, my my accent would come out more and more just being around them. But then also I'll listen to, uh, whatever speakers like Mike, because Mike is such a good communicator and his, his, his information that he distills to people is just such, um, it's, I mean, he's a, he's a professor. So, you know, he's got all these complex topics going on in his mind, but whenever he explains them, it's just so filtered and so well thought out and he can explain it so simply uh, that it's just, it's, it's really incredible. So I'm wondering whenever you hang out with these people, like you said, you notice, um, do you start, you'll start talking like them or you'll notice mannerisms that you do even with my hands right now. I notice it um, that I, cause I follow people, whatever, like Gary V or um, uh, Jordan side, or just, uh, even I, I've been into Jordan Peterson lately, not from a right. fitness standpoint, but he, he's very big with his hands and, and, and doing things like that. I noticed, do you pick up on, on mannerisms and like copy people that you really look up to? Have you noticed that? Yeah, I think it's uh what's the phrase you are the average of like the five people you spend most time with something along those lines, mm-hmm. because I notice it, especially with writing when I do it, it's similar to Mike. Um, not necessarily my mannerisms as much. Maybe I, I might get those more from my dad. He's very like, okay, and, sure. Uh, but I'll say words that are maybe Pascal will say to me, which are a mm-hmm. bit off because he's obviously not first language English, but he'll yeah. use certain phrases and words. And I'll be like, I start using them in my speech, which yeah. is funny. Yeah. And then Charlotte, my girlfriend, a lot of the time she'll be like, 
you don't normally say that word. You've got that from me. <laughs> so no, definitely if, if you spend, and this is why they always say like spend time around those who you respect and want to be like, because mm-hmm. they will rub off on you in a, a positive way. And uh, I know uh, a couple of years ago, it was Mike was over and he had like a whole day and it was his, his birthday of all days. And I just spent an entire day with him. And it was just crazy to see this guy just like go through a day, just see how he interacts with things and what he does. And the thing I took from that is just, he is probably one of the most busy people that in our industry, mm. he was just unbelievably relaxed the entire time. Yeah. Like super chill, nothing would throw him off. Um, so that's definitely something that he's influenced me with. Yeah, he's very stoic. And, and yeah. I think I love, uh, I love reading about the Stoics, but yeah, his mentality, he, I think he even made a post yesterday about remaining calm because he got stuck yeah. in Amsterdam. Um, and I think I love, I love his don't give a fuck attitude, but he also gives tons of fucks because he's yeah. just like, he, he's very good at what he does. Uh, but the information he's, he, he has very little ego, I feel like, and he, he's fine with, putting out whatever he thinks is, is, is funny or cool or interesting or his thoughts. And he yeah. doesn't even think twice about it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that that's just, that's just super cool. I'm curious, you mentioned it in the beginning of the podcast about imposter syndrome, and that's obviously something that, that I've dealt with uh, as well. I just, I, I think as every, um, somebody, somebody in our field, who's really trying to impact people and really trying to be the best coach they can be, you can feel like, there's always something new to learn. How have you dealt? Have you dealt with imposter syndrome by reaching out and surrounding yourself with these types of individuals who are really smart and they're trying to pull you towards uh, their direction? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's it's something that I'm not sure I'll ever stop yeah. feeling, and I'm not sure you'll ever stop feeling right. it. And I probably think even the best of the best still somewhat feel potentially like a bit of an imposter um, probably about specific subjects and things but they probably feel it to some degree because like you said there is always advancements you're never going to know everything you're always going to be somewhat of a student and learning Um, but over time experience uh, cures anxiety in many ways because you just consistently if you get results with your clients um, if they're happy um, and that's as an online personal trainer, that's the most important thing. You get results to your clients. They're happy with that. If you can get testimonials, amazing. If I'm doing my job in that regard, I can only be confident. And then these people will boost your confidence because they say good things to you and then you'll be like, right, I'm on the right track. And probably the thing that helped me a lot was like you learn about macros, you learn about protein, fats, carbohydrates, fiber. And then you kind of, once you know that, you know so much in terms of what you really need to know the foundational principles of nutrition that that can guide you in so many ways and once you realize that there are principles and then there are methods you begin to realize what's distracting you often is the methods find your method find what works for you and your clients and don't try and change it too often especially if it takes you away from the overall principles because there's just no need Um, so something that's helped me is finding systems that work with me work with my clients and settle in on principles that just get results and then i stop myself getting kind of uh, what would i call it um i forgot what the bird is that like shiny things uh oh. blackbird syndrome or something oh I could, that's not blackbird wait wait, wait. Uh... magpie magpie syndrome okay there we go yeah so that's it magpies are the birds that just they love shiny things so i try and avoid the magpie syndrome and really kind of just improve and tweak the things that I'm already doing 
and not, not get too distracted by other people. But it's super easy to, even as like a trainee, like I look at other people who are getting great results and they're very similar to me. They're a natural bodybuilder, but they train maybe completely conversely to me or they're using a different periodization method. And I just hone in on what I know, what's been getting results. And I kind of, okay, keep being consistent, do what you've been doing, follow the systems, trust the process, that sort of thing. So yeah. that's the way I've kind of tried to handle it at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like you are very... Um uh, like trial and error kind of you're, you're gonna, you're gonna, but you're, you're gonna stick with the stuff that, you know, you're going to stay consistent with it. And then you're going to make tweaks as needed. I feel like you're very good at, um, uh, falling in love with the boring stuff that most people are not. Uh, and I feel like you maybe even talked about this in a post before, but falling in love with the boring things in, in life, whenever it comes to even business and, um, uh, and with training and nutrition, like doing that stuff day in and day out, the, just that grind is what yeah. most people are not willing to do because it just gets boring. They need yeah. more variety. What are, what are some of the things that you've, you've like patterns that you maybe have seen with, with people um, maybe who are kind of in that intermediate range and they're wanting to take it to the next level. Um, what's some, some patterns that you see that they're doing that they shouldn't be doing or, or stuff they should be doing instead? Cool. So yeah, you see it all the time. And I think this is from Martin Burkham, who kind of mm. termed it fuck around itis. <laughs> yeah. People were just fucking around. He's doing, a great guy. Yeah. Stuff. It's just, it's super frustrating because as you said, at the intermediate level, that's when things just start really slowing down where you don't hit PRs every other week. It starts to be every month if you're lucky. And that's where if you don't start getting educated and start thinking about things more carefully, you're not going to see the results. So when I think about principles, a lot of these people that I see, they have like, they'll understand I need to be training hard, overloading. They'll understand that I need to be training harder in the future. So progressing that overload, but then they won't take into consideration fatigue management. This is a huge one. And they didn't need to beforehand because they could just go to failure or really hard every session and they could adapt that quickly. But as you train longer, these adaptations take more time. So you have to accumulate more work and then they don't like having to think about fatigue management, taking deloads, taking right. even rest days. Some people don't take their rest days, mm -hmm. leaving some reps in the tank. These are very easy things to be doing that people view them as like easy, which isn't the right way to view it because actually most of us find them a little bit hard. Like most yes. of us don't really like to deload. We don't, right. leaving reps in reserve is not fun. Like you like to just train, like it's much easier to not think about, oh, I'm going to leave a rep there because next week I want to overload. So I, these are the, in training wise, this is the tends to be what I see people doing wrong. They just have no concept of fatigue management. Yeah. Um, and the people that get past that who don't educate themselves are normally just following good programs that do have like deloads involved and things like this, maybe like Jim Wenders 531. Um, but to a point, they won't kind of keep you going to becoming advanced because they need to be individualized which is where like, so how much volume do you need as an individual to grow? Um, are you constantly tired and sore all the time? Maybe you need to scale that back. And it's that understanding that we aren't all the same. Uh, mm -hmm. And this is why I think as an intermediate, and even I thought this when I was like a novice intermediate lifter, like I'd look at someone like Matt Ogus or something, I'd be like, there's no way you could get natural like that because mm -hmm. I'm not like that. Right. And it's only after many years later where you start getting a bit smarter, you start seeing results still trickling over, but very, very slow. You're like, oh, actually, He's trained for that many years consistently and he's an educated lifter. Now I can understand how he might have got to that point and we're all different. Maybe I don't have the genetic makeup to look like him. Yeah, yeah. 
to, huge education thing. Oh yeah, and his genetics are uh, clearly. I mean, you can just look at his muscle bellies and, and things like that. His, his genetics are great, and that's what uh, you know. You combine that consistency for a long time of doing the doing the right thing, doing the smart smart work over time, and then you combine that with hard work and also genetics. Like that's just going to be a recipe for some of the you know the best in the world. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's. That's uh, that's obviously that's obviously huge, but yeah, I think uh, what you're one thing uh, that I always run into with with tons of people is just the more is better attitude, and I've written about this in my blog, um, and I've talked about it a few times because it's something that that I used to do as well. It's just you know you go in the gym, you train as hard as possible, and then you keep trying to do that for as long as possible. Um, but in order to get from that intermediate uh, to or even because there's different stages within intermediate as well. You're going to have like a beginner intermediate and then yeah. like a true and then above. But yeah, to take it to that next level, people need to um, dial things back. Do you think whenever, because I've noticed whenever I train um, quote unquote correctly now, um, and I'm very intense with my execution on my reps uh, and, um, just how I lift and things, it's taking me much less volume to, to, you know, to get sore. And I feel like this comes from really focusing on my execution and really making sure that every rep counts. Do you think that, because there's some people that are doing whatever, 30 sets for arms in like one uh, training session. Do you think if they're, if they're constantly wanting more and more and more, they're just not training hard enough to begin with? Yeah, I think you hit on a really good point there in that more is not better uh i always like more is not better better is better like it's yes just, it's just people when you think through it you think okay i want to lose fat so i'm going to do all the cardio i'm going to get into the biggest calorie deficit possible and then they just burn out the same is exactly true with training if you just do all the volume all to failure where are you going to go in future you need to think about okay that kind of the runway and then you're going to lift off at some point and then you're going to land and whatever it might be so you think about things more long term because things take more time uh so your question about wait what was your question about so, again? uh just just people uh, how they how they can do so much volume but what i feel like they're doing right. is they're lifting so much but they're not like they're just kind of going through the motions or they don't even know what true failure really feels like cool yeah i think you can get away with that sort of lifting for quite a short period of time, mm-hmm. there begin, begins to become a time where you need to set a minimum kind of relative intensity where you are pushing hard enough. And I think anyone who trains in commercial gyms, you'll see people going completely down the route of like they're training too hard and they're just, they're not actually stimulating muscles, they're stimulating tendons and mm-hmm. their back and things that you don't want to be stimulating. Then you'll see the people who are sitting in machines whilst kind of reading a newspaper and just <laughs> yeah. like, pushing this machine and it's like minimal resistance they're not straining in any way any which way so what you're kind of talking about there being able to do all that volume i guess that's called junk volume mm-hmm. uh, where it's just doing stuff that actually probably produces some fatigue but doesn't produce any overload it doesn't produce any hypertrophic stimulus and that is actually a deterrent it's something you don't want to be doing uh, so this is yeah if you're not thinking about your execution you're not thinking about my muscle connection which has become way more kind of apparent as something that is important for bodybuilding and building muscle you could well be just just doing it and yeah it's to no end it's kind of like just putting on the car on and not driving anywhere you're still burning gas but you're not moving forwards so uh, yeah it's 
if you're the the intensity threshold seems to be like maybe five um i still don't know if that's really hard enough for me sure. uh, but like three to four reps from reserve thinking about yeah repetitions are starting to slow down i'm feeling some discomfort um but i still have more to give that's where people eventually need to go but a lot of the time people are using such light weights that they'd have to do like 100 repetitions to ever get to that point so they actually right. need some mechanical tension which is like the prime driver of hypertrophy anyway so mm-hmm. uh, yeah this is where I think people, it's funny when people get lost in that wood. I don't know how they get there because yeah. when they first start lifting, for at least for me, it was all about kind of pushing hard, tra- like trying to lift as heavy weights as possible. And I think people kind of get burnt by that because they don't leave enough in reserve mm-hmm. and they just end up go, like even seeing performance dropping back. And then they're like, oh, people pump and burn. This is the way to grow muscle. And they just end up lifting light weights, not to failure. And it just doesn't see any positive change that way either. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, that, that makes, that makes a ton of sense. And I think what people fail to realize, they think of it from very, um, if I do X, Y will happen. So if I train hard, I will get better results, but they don't realize the the complexities of of the body well or first off just they're just endless like it's just but you have to realize like you said the fatigue management that's the other uh side of the coin right like people aren't thinking about the fatigue management and that is what is keeping them from uh taking things to the next level uh but one thing i wanted to get to um was uh what about so whenever it comes to whenever it comes to fat loss, so people do the the same thing. They'll they'll try and lose as much much fat as possible, and then this comes with with tons of downsides. Are you more of a fan of faster fat loss? Or are you more of a fan of of kind of the slow grindy fat loss? Cool. No, great. Um, that is a good segue actually because we were just talking about kind of fast and like yes. pushing too hard, and so yeah. it's like extremes again. Yeah, uh, and you'll probably find that I am. A man of middle ground or at least maybe not middle ground i'm more of a what fits the shoe best in terms of if someone was to ask me am i a high volume guy low volume guy high intensity guy low intensity guy i'd just be like i'm for what works for the individual at the period of time there'll be times where fast fat loss is better for a certain person in a certain situation there'll be better times for slower fat loss in another situation so i think you just need to identify that and individualize it i think in general i guess I like fast fat loss for most people most of the time because I think that shoe fits if they can do it. And my clients tend to be kind of people very similar to myself, very committed, very consistent. They have their shit together. um, And so they can go through periods of of four to six weeks losing a percentage of their body weight every single week, Mm -hmm. which might be like up to two pounds almost some weeks, which is like a thousand calorie deficit. But some people, if you work with gem pop, people who don't have their like sleep under control i have some clients who have children they kind of can't manage that sort of thing it might be better to extend that four to six weeks out to 12 weeks lose at half a percentage per week so that we actually guarantee that things are going to happen because um, you will kind of run yourself into the ground if you try and lose fat fast for too long you kind of have two choices it's like either go fast for a short period of time or go slow for a longer period of time Mm -hmm. and then there might be a middle ground to that for some people as well so just kind of, yeah, what scenario, where are they? What's their lifestyle like? Yeah. Uh, what has worked well for them in the past? Yeah, that makes sense. I, I And uh, another thing, I know that, 
so I do know that you do work with kind of more advanced athletes, people who are potentially work, uh, wanting to, uh, step on the bodybuilding stage and are going to be maybe a little bit more obsessive about these, these little, uh, intricacies and details and, and things like that in order to get whatever that 5% better, uh, and this is going to kind of take a turn, but whenever uh, a big issue that a lot of my clients have, and I think that a lot of people have in general are peer pressures from either like, um, we'll, we'll just stick with this, like with coworkers or with friends or family. Um, how, how have you, uh, I'm sure you have discussed with certain clients that have ran into this issue on, on strategies, uh, to address this, this peer pressure. Um, how, how do you stay on track with your goals whenever you have everybody else, you know, kind of in your ear? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's an interesting one because I think a lot of my clients are almost too far the other way where I have to be like, no, do let them peer yeah, pressure yeah, yeah, you a little yeah, bit and yeah. do, some, do live your life. That somewhat. makes sense. So, either like you can go too far the other way that's true um, in both scenarios where you can be misled or you can be so overwhelmed by everyone you just push them all to one side and you're like no i'm just gonna go all into bodybuilding which is very rarely the answer i prefer to people to normally go the other way really because at least there's a lot more life to be lived there and a lot more to come from it probably than like being yeah. reclusive as a bodybuilder it's just well let's 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 dive into that a little bit just real real quick um as, as we finish up in the next 15 20 minutes or so um so you, you, you have competed before. And obviously, like I said, you, you do work with a, a bunch of bodybuilders and people who are very serious like that. If somebody listening to this right now is curious about wanting to potentially compete, compete, they've yep. never competed before and they, they've thought about it or something like that. What would you, um, what advice would you give them either to, to do it or to not do it? Cool. So I think the first foundation I have for people that maybe have want to compete and they have a consultation with me is identifying a few things so a big one for me is kind of like why why do you want to compete because uh, a lot of people now see it as a bit glorified they see these people i don't know what it might be a, a bikini athlete who looks incredible with all her makeup on and she's eating a donut at her show and it's mm -hmm. like wow look at her she looks so happy whereas they're not seeing the journey to that point they're not seeing the fact that she hasn't had a period in like six weeks I haven't seen the fact that she hasn't gone out drinking with her friends for like four months. So there's lots to be aware of. So it's a bit of a, why do you really want to do it? Are you doing it just to do it? Or do you want to learn from it? Do you want to kind of challenge yourself? Um, what is your reason why? And make sure it's a good one. Then obviously having that understanding of what it really takes to get to that point. Have they dieted hard before? Or is this their first diet? Because maybe that's not realistic for them. Um, and then just identifying in their life, what have they got going on? Are you expecting to have like children? Are you going to become a father like <laughs> right. Pascal? Right. Um, he's going to become a father this year. So he's not competing, which makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe if you've got a really stressful move or a stressful kind of uh, job change or something in the next year, potentially it's not for you. You need to have a stable environment, a supportive environment. So that's kind of where I start. Like make sure actually, is this something you really do want to do for the right reasons? And then can you actually commit to that across the next year because uh it's nothing worse than starting it and then just like the, the amount of competitors that probably start and don't get to stage mm -hmm. you don't see it yeah. but i reckon it's huge i reckon there's a lot yeah so whenever i take people on i want to make sure that they're investing money and time into this and we're actually going to be able to succeed mm -hmm. so those are some foundational things yeah and then part of that education of taking them towards stage is a realism realism of like things are going to get 
really hard. You're going to have to do some things that are very uncomfortable. Um, and then when we get into it, it's discussions at points where I would hate to see a client kind of really socially isolate themselves for the last two months of their prep and kind of miss out on any social occasions. Mm-hmm. And that's actually, for me, the easier thing to do. Not going to a social occasion isn't the hard thing. It's the easy route because yeah. you go and still, I don't know, drink a Diet Coke. Right. You'd go and you could bring your own food if you needed to do that, if that was uh, appropriate for that situation. Mm-hmm. When it gets really extreme is only the last, like, the last month. And then the month after that is where it's probably really, really hard. And that's where you might be a bit socially isolated. Although hopefully the month afterwards, you're kind of transitioning out of that. But it's just that understanding and the understanding that you're probably going to develop some sort of bad eating behaviors or unwanted eating behaviors. And if you've already got those ahead of time, yeah, probably not a good idea. So when we're talking about setting up for success, kind of that low stress year, you need to be in a low stress environment to begin with, in a healthy environment, in a good place with your food, eating plenty, training well. Um, so, so many things to consider that I think a lot of people are just like, no, I'm just going to jump into this. It's like, yeah. no, you need to be in like really good shape and have a really <laughs> nice run. If you're in, like, you're a bit beat up, low low on gas, and you've yeah. got a really hard road ahead, you got yeah. no chance to get yeah. to that show. Yeah, no, you have to be in the best shape. Like there, this is this is the this is there is a spectrum. This is the very extreme spec. If you want to do well, like, and if you're going to do it, I think you need to do it a gung ho, a hundred percent, or not do it at all because it's just not. You're going to give eighty percent or seventy percent, and then at the end, you're just going to make excuses and say that you didn't try hard enough, or that you know you're gonna you're gonna be able to have some type of excuse to fall on whenever you don't win or don't do as well as you as you should have done. So if you are going to do it. You need to really do it. I recommend finding a coach like Steve or somebody um, that can really guide you and really keep you accountable because you don't realize in those last few months or, or, or whatever, eight weeks or so, how hard. That's whenever you realize, oh, shit, I just wanted abs and now this is very real. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, yeah, if you if you just want abs, I think a better route is to just start dieting in general. And then as you start to diet and as you start to, uh, if you've never really gotten very lean, then you can notice the side effects, notice things that are happening in your life that you have to sacrifice. And then you can kind of make the judgment call from there. Do I want to you know, keep kick this up even another level and, and take it to, uh, to stage lean. And that just gets, it gets very, gets very real very quickly. Um, yeah. yeah and I think something you kind of touched upon there is giving yourself enough time. Mm. A lot of people, they might be, I don't know, they could be obese and yeah. they're trying to then do it as a transformation to stage. Mm-hmm. And like, it's hard enough just becoming obese and then going to just a healthy weight, let alone going all the way down to contest shape mm-hmm. that you want to kind of be in shape before you try and get into extreme shape. Yeah. And I made that mistake for my first prep, which was a year long. I lost over 30 pounds and that's not even the worst I've heard. Like that's not that bad, but I didn't have any diet breaks. I certainly didn't make it easier on myself. Um, I didn't make it smart. Whereas you can be super smart if you want to with a prep and make it like my last contest prep 2017. Sure. There were some hard times and I made sometimes needlessly hard on myself in that prep, but for the most part, it was pretty smooth. I felt pretty damn good. And I think you can do that. You can achieve that as well. Um, it's just, yeah, there's always going to be an element of hard discomfort. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, 
Cool. Well, we we have just a few minutes here, and I kind of want to I want to wrap this up with. Um, uh, so the the type of bodybuilding that we've been talking about has been natural bodybuilding. Okay, so this means that you you are drug tested, and so there are no steroids uh, or anything like that involved. Uh, well, at least there there shouldn't be. Um, but uh, I'm curious, why have you never taken that route? Especially you know being friends with people in the industry who may. Uh, decide to use for themselves, what has kept you from deciding that? And if you don't care to share, would you ever do that in the future? Cool. So I'm always of the opinion of never say never. Sure. Which whenever, when I say that people are now like, Steve's going to take steroids, but <laughs> I, it's very unlikely that I will. Um, mostly because mo the, the biggest reason for me is the complication. Mm. Uh, it's not something you want to take lightly. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things you have to monitor day in, day out. You have to make sure that even the kind of steroids you're sourcing are the, the actual legit ones. It's expensive to not only buy those, but then monitor them. It just adds so many complications to the system mm -hmm. that I don't think is worthwhile, along with the potential bad effects on your health sure. and the way that could go. And for me, the amount that I've been able to develop naturally astounds me still to this day and i still feel like there's more to give and so i still want to go down that route and i think even if i was to go down the route of steroids i still don't think it would satisfy anything for me i think i'd still be have that never feeling quite big enough mm -hmm. i think you still have that bigorexia type bodybuilder attitude mm -hmm. so i'm just not sure for me it would be worth the payoff i don't have any kind of strong feelings towards people who go on like it's absolutely their choice sure and like I said, I would never say never because maybe it is something that I eventually want to go down. But for me, I know I'm never going to be like the Mr. Olympia. I'm never going to be the most competitive kind of natural or unnatural trainee out there. So it's for risk versus reward. For me right now, it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. In future, I can see myself going on like testosterone replacement therapy. Yeah, same here. Yeah. yeah, so that, that I can see, but going hardcore more extreme down the route of kind of the different things that many of those guys take it's not something that i'm personally considering at the moment mm -hmm. yeah and like you said i don't think people can they just they think steroids great shape that's it they're just like i'll take steroids and i'll get in great shape but they don't understand all the all the complexities that like you said that come with deciding to choose uh to, to use and it's just the source the price um the the effects on health that they don't realize you know you've got to cycle off you've got to you, there's there's things that you have to do there's different types of drugs um that if you don't do that you can like these are hormones like you can do serious damage to your body yeah. if you aren't careful with what you're doing and and so yeah, I think if anybody is thinking about using, you just you need to do your research. You need to find people. Uh, you need to do some research and then do some more research because this yeah. is not just taking a new supplement or, or or something like that. You can legit mess up your hormones for your entire life. Um, so if you are deciding to do it, just be smart about it. Um, I'm I'm the same. Uh, I'm in the same boat as you. I don't. Me personally, I, I probably won't use until possible TRT later on down the road. But for people who do use, that's that's totally their choice. And I think that that's more power to them. Um, but yeah, you just have to consider uh, all of those different um, uh, complications that are possible. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much my stance is like pro education. I'm not against them. I'm not pro them, but I am certainly pro mm -hmm. educating yourself about them, what the consequences are, and then how to monitor that like 
blood pressure and getting your blood work done, getting a doctor to help you with that. It, I, like I said, I, I find nutrition and training for a natural trainee, like you can get pretty complicated right. with that when you add steroids into the mix. Sure. A lot of things change. Uh, so yeah, yeah it's, it's something exciting, but right now it's not the route I'd yeah. think I'd And like you, down. like you said, you're, you're still trying to max out your natural potential and you've been lifting for years. Yeah. And, and I think people just see steroids as that shortcut, but they don't, you have so much you can maximize with just your, your training and nutrition and sleep, just focusing on those. And it, it's just, their 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 so their steroid solution is just a band aid on a broken leg. It's not yeah. the the long term effect is not going to work out for them because they 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 didn't. It's like somebody winning the lottery. They didn't put in those habits and the foundation in order to get uh, the, those gains. They didn't earn those gains. And so yeah. though that's those habits and stuff that they didn't build. That's going to be their downfall in months or years down the road whenever they have maxed out their steroid potential. I mean, unless they just keep taking more, but I doubt that that's going to happen. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I, I wanted to, to get your thoughts on that subject. And I figured that that would be a, uh, a nice little, little bang to, to end on. Um, yeah. Any final no, thoughts on that? No, it's interesting because I can remember the reason I was initially kind of getting into online coaching was to help a certain person. And that certain person was like someone I identified as like my avatar in the gym. Not that I knew what avatar was or anything like that <laughs> then, but this was, I had created this avatar without even knowing it. And that was someone who was like 17 years old, who'd been lifting for a period of time, intermediate, but couldn't get advanced. And they tried every supplement under the sun. And they were like, obviously the reason everyone else is bigger than me or anyone bigger than me is on steroids. And I was like, I want to stop that person going on steroids. I want to help educate them so they can get their nutrition training lifestyle in check and become advanced. And then they probably won't ever want to go to steroids. Yeah. And if they do, then fine. But yeah, it's funny because that is the person I initially was like, that's who I want to kind of help because it's just not, I, I didn't view it as a good thing then. And I'm not sure it's good for that person now. Sure. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. And that's, that's cool that you can, um, mold yourself and your, your mindset as you, you know, get older and things. And I feel like you've done uh, a very good job at doing that. Um, but cool. Yeah. I think, I think that's just about, uh, everything. Do you have anything, uh, cool or exciting coming up that you want to tell people about? So your guys are probably all American, so I'm not sure there's anything uh, in your location. We, have a, we yet. have a few. Uh, my audio guy actually told me, he's like, oh, hey, we actually have like 3% of people from Croatia. And I was like, oh, okay, nice. cool, cool. So shout out to the Croatians <laughs> listening to this. We've got some Europeans. But uh, yeah, you never know. People might be in the area or something, but go ahead. Do your uh, plug. Yeah, we do have some exciting things. So um, the next thing coming up is the... Uh, the seminar with Mike Isratel, James Hoffman, and Gabrielle Fondero, yeah. which I'm really looking forward to. Um, so that's happening in May the 11th and 12th. So that's super soon. After that, we then have a seminar with JPS Fitness, who are all the way in Australia. I love him. I love so, his stuff. Yeah, Jacob Skepis. Yeah. Great guy. Uh, so they're coming over in July, I think, mm -hmm. uh, the 14th, if I'm right. Uh, that might be the date. And we're doing like a contest prep seminar. So it's like your complete guide to contest prep, which is actually a pre-launch or the launch of our ebook so there will be something there that we i can kind of promote for sure we'll have an ebook available which is all about contest prep 
um, which is quite exciting because that's been in the works for far too long. So it's going to come out of the weeds soon. Cool. Um, and then we will have one more seminar this year with AJ Morris, which is like yeah. an online coaching seminar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget what the date of that is exactly, but um, that will be released soon. I think tickets go on sale like April 1st or something. So okay. we'll be doing that as well. So there's quite a f- few cool, exciting things in the pipeline and hopefully more in future. And as always, the podcast yeah every week there'll be episodes so people can be excited by the guests that we'll be having on there Mm -hmm. yeah no his his podcast is amazing and i actually what i've been doing now is i do listen to podcasts in the gym actually and i usually make them training or nutrition related for some reason that makes it a little bit easier to follow like while i'm lifting and things and yours is usually my go-to um with that so yeah definitely check out his revive stronger podcast he's got tons of great guests and they talk about a bunch of cool stuff um, and then, yeah, so he's got all those events coming up, check his, so his website's revivestronger.com. And then, um, he's, uh, his Instagram is at revivestronger. And, um, yeah, man, I just want to say thank you for, for all your, your, your work in the industry. Uh, I think you, you're filling the role that, you know, a lot of people, uh, the 3DMJ guys and, and stuff like that uh, have had. And then they're, um, you know, as they get older, somebody's got to kind of take that, take that place. Um, and I feel like you've done a really good job of, of doing that and more and combining with them and uh, synergizing into one big, awesome evidence-based community and uh, resource for, for clients and coaches alike. So yeah, thank you for, for all of that. And also thank you for coming on and speaking with me today. Uh, my absolute pleasure. And that is what my goal was. So if that's what it's transforming to be a hub for kind of trainees, coaches, amazing. I uh, couldn't be happier. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing a great job, Steve. Um, cool. Well, uh, yeah. Thank you. uh, Thank you for coming on and we'll uh, chat again soon, hopefully. Definitely. Cool. Thanks, man.